Welcome to Healthcare Tech Talk, a podcast looking at tech talk with a twist. Listen in as our experts from Brillo invite leaders from some of the largest healthcare systems and companies across the U.S. to discuss and share how they are transforming healthcare. It's a tech talk and real talk from the people who are working to transform and improve healthcare every day. Hello, everyone. I'm Avantika Sharma the Global Head of Healthcare at Brillio. Let's get the show started. On today's episode, we welcome our very own Chandar Damotran, Global CTO at Brillio, and Hannah Algelis, who is leading our healthcare technology and life sciences practice at Brillio. Now let's know a little bit what Chandar does. Chandar is the Global Chief Technology Officer at Brillio. He's a problem solver, evangelist, focused on bringing in the right mix of business, and technical competency to solve significant business problems. He thrives in fuzziness and loves defining the blueprint for digital transformation with clear outcomes and elevate customer experiences. He has a computer science engineering degree and is currently a member of the Forbes Technology Council. Hannah Algelis is a distinguished technology and healthcare officer an entrepreneur and thought leader with an illustrious career spanning more than 18 years in healthcare and life sciences sector. His expertise lies in guiding organizations to streamline the processes and technologies, leveraging AI, cloud computing, and process automation to drive innovation and operational efficiency on a massive scale. His keen understanding of the industry has led to successful execution of numerous projects impacting healthcare providers, researchers, peers, and patients alike. Wow, I am in the company of some really smart people. Welcome, Hana and Chandra, to this podcast. Thank you, Antika. Thank you. So today we are going to talk about something which is very exciting. Every second person is talking about it. Any guesses? Yes, it is generative AI. Generative AI has captured the attention of businesses and common people alike. It has fundamentally disrupted how we see AI in general and has removed generative AI from the realm of data scientists and innovation labs to the mainstream commercial use cases. Companies have been exploring how to embrace generative AI either through the hyperscalers like ChatGPT, BARD, MedPalm, versus developing their own in house open source LLM models. So Chandar, question for you. How do you see this evolving? And do you think that companies should have a perspective whether they should go with the hyperscalers and use ChatGPT and OpenAI to sort of catapult their innovation? Or should they be looking at more building these large LLM models in-house? Thank you, Avantika. I think that's a... Great question. So very pertinent in a market scenario that we are in today. You know, who knew, uh, you know, what is LLM, you know, probably six months ago, right? Today with, uh, you know, I think with ChatGPT, uh, you know, that came out last November. Today, like you said, you know, it's all very mainstream, right? It's everybody understands what is generative AI. Everybody understands what is large language model. And I, and I think I was looking at a research. It talked about, you know, the time that some of these, uh, you know, it's a social softwares, right? Like if you to think about Instagram, you know, how long did it take before they hit a, you know, the million users, a million users, right? You know, 
the chat GPT, if you take a guess, it took less than two months to kind of hit that mark. Uh, and that's the power, you know, that this, uh, you know, software has had on, on businesses and enterprises alike. So what you asked is an excellent question, right? It talks about, you know, should I embrace an open source based large language model or should I look at uh, more of a, you know, what is available from these large hyperscalers? Now, if I were to answer this in, let's say two levels, right? One, look at how, uh, you know, generative AI has captured the attention of businesses and common people alike. Now the open source has had a very similar view, right? Like if I have to look at the open source as a terminology and kind of look at that from the lens of an enterprise customer, there is a research that says, you know, well over 80% of enterprises trust open source uh, as they would trust a proprietary software that came from, let's say some of the large, uh, uh, you know, OEM softwares, right? So, uh, you know, if you take that lens and now you apply this in the context of generative AI, you know, it should be a very straight fit where, you know, open source, uh, uh, you know, LLMs should be something that should be embraced by enterprises. But, uh, you know, just to answer a little bit of the, you know, you know, the way chat GPT kind of caught attention and then look at the generative AI overall, uh, it, it revolves around essentially to... Uh, you know, important dimensions, right? The number of parameters that it can work with it and the number of tokens that they consume to basically create these models, right? And there are different types of models. So there is, uh, you know, the, the transformers model, which is where your, your GPTs kind of come in. Uh, there are also these RRN, RRN models, which are, you know, which run a slightly different model. But end of it, when you look at it, right, they're largely based on uh, you know, some of the well-known ones, right? Like the, they're based out of Meta's Llama models, right? So a lot of the companies that have built uh, these open source, uh, you know, like the, the likes of Alpaca, Vicuna, right? All of these have been built on top of this. Now, the interesting thing with all of these open source models, right? And there is many more, right? Like there's GPT for all, right? There are so many of these models that are out there, but they're all working on a smaller number of parameters and they have less a number of tokens that they're using, right, for their research. So essentially they're good from a research perspective, uh, but when you look at this from an enterprise adoption and when you're looking at enterprise adoption, they're looking for uh, scale, right? They're looking for resiliency and they're looking for, uh, you know, you mentioned about MedPalm, right? Which is very industry specific, uh, et cetera, right? And that's where I, I would say the, you know, the tilt, for an enterprise customer is more towards embracing a hyperscaler based uh, you know llm models because one they they are industry grade and they are available for consumption with uh, running on much higher number of parameters than what you would see from these research projects and second they're actually open for commercial use right where most of the open source ones are actually not open for commercial use. So when you kind of look at it and you want to look at this from kind of maximizing this, uh, you know, the value that you're able to generate out of these models, I would say, you know, the tilt would be to kind of choose the hyperscalers and go with their models. And especially with the, some of these industry models that are coming out of from some of the uh, hyperscalers, I think it makes the most sense for us to align ourselves around that. Thanks, Chandra, for the valuable insights. I do see, uh, uh, you know, organizations that we have been talking to taking both the approach. I think it's the initial research phase, as you rightly mentioned, they are experimenting, you know, some of off the shelf 
you know, generative AI solutions versus them sort of investing themselves and seeing how the use cases can come. So that's that's helpful. Hana, you're the healthcare guru. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of um, a lot of demand on generative AI use cases within the healthcare space. Do you want to share your perspective about what are the type of use cases the peers and the providers are exploring? Absolutely. Thank you, Avantika, for that question. And uh, quite frankly, the possibility of generative AI in healthcare are vast. And we're living in a very exciting time as a technologist who is focused on this particular domain. Uh, I'll try to break down, um, you know, the the use cases into a couple dimensions. The first dimension is where are the applications apply in the healthcare ecosystems, and I'll focus primarily around the healthcare payer and providers. You know, we'll talk about maybe life sciences at a different time because that's a whole new topic, uh, and that has a multiple dimensions as well. And the second dimension that I would like to cover is really, uh, you know, how, you know, at what time period we expect those use cases to materialize. Um, distinguishing between uh, short-term, possibly one to three years from now, and long-term, five-plus years from now. So starting with the healthcare provider space, um, in the short-term, uh, we've already seen a number of large-scale providers, uh, uh, company in the, in, the, in the industry, exploring and imply, applying generative AI to address challenges such as physician burnout. Um, primarily through automating various operational tasks in the healthcare delivery system, such as creating medical and clinical reports, summarizing patient history, and even annotating and codifying medical notes for billing purposes. And we've seen some early attempts to actually now to try to generate, uh, for example, prior authorization requests directly by extracting insight from uh, your medical uh, EHR system or medical notes and stuff like that nature. So from a long-term standpoint in the provider side, we anticipate some significant transformation where these large language models and generative AI become clinical brainstorming knowledge-based engine that physician can use to input information such as symptoms, medical history, or even genomic data, and start to use them to generate hypotheses about possible diagnosis and things that typically are not seen from uh, looking at it from one dimension alone. These models can also help in generating insights about risk factors for medications, for various disease, and offer sometimes much very personalized preventive measures and strategies for, for physicians. So that's on the provider side. Shifting to the healthcare payer standpoint, um, in the short term, um, we, we, try, we started to see the focus started to uh, become on how do we improve and accelerate access to health-related information uh, online. We understand, you know, the healthcare system, and especially on the payer side, is heavy on information. Uh, so the uh, the idea of leveraging generative AI to empower patients uh, for the immediate access to information online can lead into significant cost saving, primarily, let's say, in the cost centers and improving member experience and also uh, increase uh, Medicare, Medicare start rating for these for their health plans who are actually servicing Medicare members. So that's that's primarily the uh, the short term what we're seeing and stuff like that. And uh, from a long term standpoint, um, you know the healthcare payer, uh, the most healthcare uh, plans and healthcare payer payers will start to see how they can harness uh, generative AI on a more you know core functions within their organization, such as adjudicating claim. 
climate adjudication is probably one of the most significant costs um, uh, for, for healthcare payers, and especially those claims who actually don't go through the straight through, straight through processing and requires a manual touch. Training and LLM models of how to adjudicate these claims and generate or make a determinations on payment uh, can lead into significant cost saving for them. The other area that we are also seeing some interest on and, and early exploration is really around core management and coordinations, uh, where you know in a healthcare delivery system, there are multiple uh, entities involved from doctors, hospitals, caregivers, facilities, and so on and so forth. And usually to provide a comprehensive care management, you have to provide multiple coordinations or you have to increase coordination between all these entities. Like just to give you an example, like you know, a patient is discharged from a hospital, you know, usually that requires multiple entities to be involved to provide the care that's required for that patient to ensure that there is no readmission re re back to the hospital because readmission is a major also problem in the healthcare industry. So how can we leverage generative AI to actually create a personalized plan uh, summarizing the, the, the reason for that patient to be in the hospitals and discharge notes, and then communicating with all the entities that needs to be involved in the care management and the care coordination to ensure that patient basically, uh, you know, on a fast pass for recovery and we don't see readmission back for the hospitals. And lastly, in the healthcare system, in the healthcare payer system, you know, I think preventive medicine is going to be really a, a domain where we're going to see, you know, tremendous opportunities for generative AI, especially around identifying different risk factors and diseases. Uh, and enabling payers to proactively reach out to these members and then trying to kind of put some preventive measure in plans to actually prevent them from getting the disease in the first place. So these are generally the, the use cases that we're seeing in, in both the provider and payer space. Wow, those use cases can surely reduce the huge administrative costs that sits in our healthcare system, even if half of them get implemented. So that's that's super exciting. Um, yeah, I'm hoping by next year this time, maybe Generative AI is going to start recording the podcast, Hannah, instead of you and me, probably, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Chandar, uh, you know, when people these days are thinking about Generative AI, the very first topic that comes to their mind is security. Um, is it safe? Spe specifically in healthcare where... Um, you know, there are so many regulations that are involved. There are HIPAA compliance, there's, you know, PHI and PII data involved. So from that perspective, if an enterprise has to look at generative AI, how should they think about the security concerns that they have? Um, great question again, Avantika. And, and, and this is probably, you know, a, a top question that almost everybody goes through. Um, I have seen a lot of our customers basically, uh, you know, pro, you know, putting up guidelines, right? And especially after, uh, you know, some of the, you know, some of the initial users of the ChatGPT actually uh, started putting out uh, some of the company's internal data, right? Some of their private IPs uh, onto ChatGPT. Now, again, this is a, uh, you know, a, a learning model, right? So you're essentially trying to feed it. You know, it obviously becomes more smarter along the way. Uh, but I think what's what's important is, uh, and especially in a regulated industry like healthcare, uh, it's important to have uh, you know the right section balances, and especially the you know trying to maintain the privacy of the data, and of course your overall IP, etc. I think becomes a very very important dimension. 
So I've started seeing a lot of customers actually putting together, uh, you know, governance in place, you know, talking about, uh, you know, what needs to, uh, what can go, or what cannot go on to, on to some of these uh, open, uh, you know, LLMs like, you know, ChatGPT, for example, right? Uh, but I think when you look at this from the enterprise lens, one is to put together the governance and controls that is required, uh, you know, in terms of how, uh, the employees are basically kind of leveraging a technology like this. So obviously there needs to be controls in terms of what we what we are doing or what we shouldn't be doing. And obviously it's a strict no-no to basically put any of your company's IP or data onto public. Uh, but I think when you kind of look at this uh, and this kind of really, uh, you know, translates it back to, uh, you know, one of the first questions that you asked uh, is how as an enterprise, right? Should I look at, you know, should I look at an open source? Should I look at a, more of an hyperscaler driven. So in, in my mind, the way I look at this is, um, you know, think about, you know, running with a private instance. And especially now with all of these hyperscalers, um, you know, with the models that they are available, uh, you know, the paid models, right? And these models are available for you as private instances. I, I would suggest, you know, that, you know, as, as enterprises start to explode because the benefits of what a, uh, a generative AI can do, and, and especially Hana, with the way you talked about the lot of the use cases, is so very relevant and so very impactful. Uh, in my mind, right, I think it may not even be the next year, right? I think maybe in the next few months, you will start seeing a lot of these being realized, which means our firms need to, uh, you know, embrace this wholeheartedly. But at the same time, you know, you can't let go of your security, which means uh, looking at some of these hyperscaler provided LLMs, you know, as a private dedicated instances. Uh, I would suggest, you know, we should look at that as, as number one option. Uh, but also, you know, a lot of the other concerns are also there, right? Like, uh, you know, some of the open AI, which is available on some of the hyperscalers, you know, managed services, uh, you know, what happens, you know, is this data, whatever I'm trying to input, you know, is this within my corporate boundaries or is this going to be outside? Uh, there are also controls that you can put together, right? You can define like reverse proxies, et cetera. So all of those apply. Uh, but what fundamentally, you know, is the fabric of an organization, right, in terms of the security posture, I think none of those uh, should change, right? In fact, all you should do is, uh, I don't know if very recently, uh, we saw almost like 100,000 of, uh, you know, account credentials of uh, generative AI basically being available on the dark web. So what it means is, you know, your, your, your traditional controls as an enterprise, uh, you know, in terms of what you're doing from a security perspective, all of that needs to be strong and along with the governances that you're putting together saying, you know, what can go out into the public realm versus what shouldn't. And then trying to take a very strategic approach in terms of saying, how do we leverage the power of generative AI and, and realize some of the use cases that Hana was talking about. I think it's important for you to kind of look at uh, the hyperscaler provided uh, LLMs and, and kind of converge this with uh, a segmented security architecture, implement reverse proxies, you know, all of these will ensure that, you know, it, 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 you know, you're able to generate, I mean, use the power of the generative AI, but at the same time, you know, don't have to let go of your security control. So in my view, Avantika, that's the, these are some of the things that we should do as an enterprise, uh, and especially in the healthcare sector, uh, you know, to kind of ensure that, you know, we are able to realize a lot of these use cases using the power of generative AI that it has. Thanks, Chandra. Those were very insightful points that you gave our audiences. So, Hana, from your perspective, what would be your key message on uh, 
generative AI for the audience who's listening in. It could be you know, some of the CIOs of these payer and provider organizations. It could be people like us, patients slash members who are trying to get a little bit more insights on what does generative AI mean for me? So what are some of the key messages you would like to give them? Uh, great question, actually. Uh, so what I would say is, I think um, I'll go back to how you start this podcast uh, with Avantika and say, well, get ready for a real disruptive impact. Uh, generative AI is absolutely an inf a significant inflection point in the AI uh, research journey and also a the most significant step in over half a century uh, that aimed towards closing the communication gap between human and machines and trying to build systems that can potentially think and act like us. And that's significant. And while we are still at the early stage of this disruptive technology, we can already see all the potentials, uh, specifically in the healthcare space. Um, we all know, for example, that this one-size-fits-all approach in healthcare is outdated. And you know, even physicians agree to that because every person is unique in terms of their genotics, uh, genomics, in terms of their lifestyles, their health data. Uh, there's even social economic status. With generative AI, think about it, right? We are at the we're up. We're talking about building a custom-made, tailor-fit, just for you healthcare plan. It looks into patients' unique blueprints and craft a very personalized healthcare plan that fits like a glove. And that's significant in the healthcare space. And that's basically what we talk about as the future of personalized medicine, where generative AI is going to be the heart and center of that of that future. But going back to what Chandra was saying, while we are all for having that personalized healthcare tailored uh, systems or plan, we need to also remember that the importance of ethical uh, ethic and privacy um, and the considerations around that, that needs to come along. We also need to ensure that data is protected. We need to in, not end up perpetuating bias as we do delivery. So these are all things that needs to be res resolved. And I I hate to use the word holders, but things that we have to actually think about as we are democratizing generative AI in the healthcare systems. As they say, with great power comes great responsibility, and that's undoubtedly true about generative AI in healthcare. So as we step into this brave new world of generative AI in healthcare, it's really important to remember that the future of healthcare isn't just about digital and data. It's about creating um, and about understanding uh, how to create human-like, responsible, and most importantly, tailored uh, solution for, for our patients or for basically members and humans. Because at the end of the day, with great technology, if it doesn't actually uh, create an impact on humans and you know what, how that translates into uh, well-being and better future for them, then this technology becomes irrelevant. Well, I love just for you healthcare. Uh, that's something that the healthcare industry in general has been aiming to get to, but if that's possible via generative AI, just just love that concept itself. Well, thank you so much, Hana and Chandur, for being our guest today. Loved your insights and thank you for sharing your valuable time. And for the audiences who's listening in, you can learn more about this show by visiting the program page on healthcarenowradio.com and be sure to connect with me on Twitter and on LinkedIn. I'm Avantika Sharma, thanks for listening. Healthcare Tech Talk is produced by Brillo. Brillo is a global leader in enterprise digital transformation solutions, providing strategic consulting and implementing digital solutions for Fortune 500 plus customers. You can learn more about the company at brillo.com 
and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Brilliant Global.